Virtuous Man, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction. Welcome to Loose and Unscripted, an inside look at season two of the Virtuous Men podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm Scott. We are the creators of Virtuous Man. We're back for Loose and Unscripted, where we go through each virtue and the man who exemplified it. So, so season two. Season two. Here we are. Done. It only it only two. took five years. Yeah, a little less yeah. than little less than season one. That's the problem when you have like quantity or the whole argument of quality over quantity. That's definitely something that we struggle with because we really want to get more episodes out there, but we don't want those episodes to not be as good. So you kind of make sacrifices unless you're a prodigy, which I'm not. <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. So, I mean, episode one, let's start there. Yes, episode That's the, one. the obvious spot to start. So you did Tecumseh. The legendary Tecumseh, yes. For the virtue of unity. That's right. So why Tecumseh for unity? And talk about the episode, and then you interviewed Peter Cousins. I did, yeah. So Peter Cousins is a prolific author. He's written a lot about American history and a lot about the Indian Wars in the East and the West. Um and was very happy to get an interview with him just because he's written so much. And one of his last books, I think, had thousands of reviews on Amazon. So that was a real thrill. Someone who is well known for that sort of thing. And um, I first learned about Tecumseh from the uh, History Channel series, The Men Who Built America, Frontiersmen. And watching the series for the first time, I had no idea who Tecumseh was. But as I was watching it, I was just really impressed by the ability that he had to... Uh, to unite not just his people, but many other warring tribes. Cause I mean, it wasn't just like, it wasn't like native Americans were just one core group of people. Like they were wide, they were widespread by a different tribe and different area. And the fact that he had the power to unite so many of them in this one unified cause was pretty remarkable. And then the more I researched about him and the more I learned, the more I just learned what a remarkable man he really was, aside from his ability to unite people. I mean, we could have easily done him for the virtue of leadership, I think. I think he exemplified everything that a good a good leader should be. It was interesting to me when I listened to it, because we think of that time period of, you know, War of 1812. We all learned about that war in elementary school, but... In history, you, you usually read about the, the victors for the most part. So it was interesting for me to get to see the other side of that war, um, you know, to, to get to see the Native American side and see how that all play, went into play as well and to hear about uh, the Shawnee tribe, right? That was the, right, the tribe he was, he was in. Yeah, I mean, and it, I think just in doing this project in general, you just learn, you learn about how little you were taught in grade school. You know, it just, that's really one, that's one thing this entire project has really taught. It's taught me how little I was taught, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't remember ever hearing about Tecumseh in grade school, despite his importance in, in that, in the War of 1812, and just for Native America in general. No, it was a really interesting episode to listen to. So you said, uh, when you first thought of Tecumseh to do, you had heard of him, but you learned quite a bit through research and, and obviously uh, interviewing Peter Cousins. Yeah. Well, and initially we had another person we were going to interview, right? And we right. we reached out many times to try to make that happen. But for whatever reason, it just never panned out. So Cousins was kind of a, it, it was one of those ones that just happened really quickly where we just found a prolific author, reached out to him, 
and it turned out he was available. So that was really great to have that because I, I was really worried that we weren't going to be able to get an interview for this one. So the fact that we got him was really wonderful. So as far as unity goes, that's not often a virtue you think of right away. Uh, how did you come about thinking of, of unity and kind of talk about why it is a virtue? He was one of those leaders who was fully aware that there's no way he could have done what he did by himself. I mean, he was already a very powerful orator, and he was just a remarkable person that drew people to him naturally. So that, ma that made him an obvious candidate for bringing, bringing those tribes together for his cause. But I think what was so remarkable about him is that he was fully aware that this could not be achieved by just a small group of people or one man. So to create an entire pan-tribal nation apart from the United States, like that obviously takes a lot of skill and a lot of, a lot of leadership ability. So I think if you look at unity in terms of leadership, I think it becomes very obvious. And that, that's really what you would want. I would think if you were in that particular position, you would want to strive for unity in everything that you, you have a cause, you have what you're, you have this goal that you have and you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page and like, this is what we're fighting for. So I'm going to unite all of you in this, in this particular cause and we're going to pursue it. So episode two was John Muir for the virtue of preservation. So you're definitely going to have to, I mean, knowing you the way that I do, I know it's probably pretty obvious why you chose John Muir for this particular virtue, but uh, maybe explain what drew you to him and what led you about to bring this one about. So I'm big into hiking and being from the Pacific Northwest, anywhere you hike, his name is everywhere here. And uh, Mount Rainier is a place I go quite a bit. And obviously the Muir Snowfield and Camp Muir on Mount Rainier is a place I frequent every year, every summer. And getting to know a little bit more about who he actually was, was a really cool experience because you kind of think you know who he is, but then once you do research and talk to experts, it becomes more clear who he was. And also you learn things that you didn't know and didn't expect you would find out about him. So that was really cool, and I was actually in Indiana at the time uh, when I was writing this episode, and I got to go down to Tennessee and visit the Great Smoky Mountains, which, where he went through, it wasn't a, a national park, obviously, when he was there, but he went through the same kind of country I was going through, and it was cool to research the episode and also be in the kind of area where he did some of his earliest work and some of his earliest exploring so that was that was really rewarding, and uh, the two interviewed. I actually did two interviews for this one, which was kind of uh, peculiar. We we usually don't have two for each other. Yeah, we got lucky this time around. But yeah, so I had I'd contacted both of these guys, and they they got back to me one shortly after the other, and they both could do it. And you know, we kind of talked. Well, do we want to do two interviews? And we decided, yeah, sure, why not. Yeah, I was like, like it's your episode. You get to figure out all the hard stuff on how to make that work. <laughs> right. Well, I can and just sit back and, and watch from watch from the background. Yeah, it was a little little different. It was a little bit of a, a different process and working both of the audios in because it's it's a little more confusing when you don't have the video to you know the face to go with the the voice. Uh, but we kind of I think we made it work, and it was cool to get two different perspectives of Muir, uh, from from Donald Worcester and Dennis Williams. I thought the interviews were really fun. Uh, you were you were with me on those, right? I was with you. Uh, yes, yeah, actually. Both of them. That's right. Yeah, for both of them. Yeah. Although it was kind of awkward because it was your episode. So I'm just kind of sitting there not <laughs> saying anything 
So they're the probably wondering. The they're probably wondering why is this guy so quiet? Like, <laughs> yeah, I had all the questions, obviously, but it was a it was a fun episode to do, and um, I really enjoyed some of the sound effects in that one too, because obviously I'm, I'm an outdoors guy, and that was just full of outdoor sound effects and and the music also uh i enjoyed putting a lot of bluegrass music in there they kind of give it that southern united states feel as he was kind of going on his 1000 mile walk to the gulf so really fun episode and obviously one of my one of the people i look up to and, and aspire to be like it was great too when you or you texted me during the middle of your writing of the episode and you were like this is way more complicated than I thought it was going to be like, because, because he turned, it turns out that that's one thing that I've learned in researching these men is they're often more complicated than mm -hmm. you first realize. Like it's very, very rarely do we find a man who's pretty straightforward yeah. and Mir was definitely one of those people. Absolutely. It was also very cool visiting you in Indiana and going to the place where what it was where he worked before he started yep. his journey, right? We went to the spot. That's right. We went to the exact spot where it's obviously not there anymore. It's been, you know, demolished. It was Osgood Smith and Co. He worked there, and that's where he almost lost his eyesight, where he had the the accident uh, that, was, that we talked. That was painful to read. <laughs> yeah, anything with the eyes, I just can't do that. So, <laughs> I like in movies and stuff where people get their eyes hurt, I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, it was cool being in Indianapolis while writing that episode because that was where his journey really started, uh, where he decided, you know what forget this invention engineer stuff i'm gonna go off and explore the wild and and pursue god and pursue botany so it was, it was cool to be in the same spot where that all started so for this episode you had some additional voices can you share who those were yeah so actually i had this really beautiful lady actually do the voice of jean carr who was muir's friend and and long long time friend and so uh, my wife, Stacy, did the voice of Gene Carr, and then actually your dad. That's right, yeah. Dad, it, was Larry. A, it was a family affair if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Larry did the, Larry Einig did the voice of uh, Roosevelt. That's right. Teddy Roosevelt. And he did a very fine job. That's so right. We, well, we've had we've had both your parents on Virtuous Man. That's right. It's it's becoming a family. Now I got to get my sisters involved and my brothers in law and my niece and nephew, but they're really young, so it probably wouldn't work. But <laughs> yeah, we just got to spread it spread it far and wide. That's right. Well, it was also cool too because we featured them in a couple other episodes as well. Yes, we did. So Stacy also did. My wife Stacy did the voice of uh, Richard Wormbrand's wife Sabina. Uh, she did the, it's a it's kind of an interesting part of the episode where she's whispering to to Richard, you know, there's this, this crazy communist get together that they're having and they're just completely disgracing Christianity. And she gets so, and so angry that she tells him, you know, Richard, you need to get up and do something. And yeah, Stacey did a great job. She did put on a very nice uh, Romanian accent there too, so. Props to you, Stace. Yeah, she's an underrated voice actress, your, yeah, she, your wife is. She'll, she'll have to come back for more in, in season three. So episode three was Jordan Northrup. That's Ma right. Major Jordan Northrup for the virtue of initiative. And this was a cool one because mm -hmm. this is someone who we met through the project. And yeah. talk about that, how we met Jordan and uh, kind of what... What inspired us to go ahead and make a, a podcast episode of his story? 
Yeah, this one was definitely, of all the, I think, whether Instagram or podcast, I feel like this one is definitely more our episode than just mine or yours. I feel like this one was definitely you and I. I obviously wrote the episode, but just look how we came to know about Jordan Arthur was definitely you and I together on this one. So um, I'm trying to remember how we met him. I, if I recall, he found out about us and reached out to us, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's correct. He, um, he started following us on Instagram and really liked what we were doing and kind of shared his story. And then we went ahead and made a, a post about him for the virtue of initiative. And then... Yeah, he's yeah. he he wrote a book about his his story, and it was really perfect to fit in here uh, in season two. And he was the first person we ever interviewed, and we actually interviewed him twice because yep. <laughs> first time we interviewed him was over the phone, and that was more just to just to talk to him about how he exemplified this virtue of initiative. And I don't remember who proposed that initiative was the virtue that he exemplified i don't know if that was him or one of us but kind of a joint looking at his story it definitely it's definitely a fitting virtue just given the fact that he struggled with alcohol for 14 years and that there's many opportunities for taking initiative to overcome that his story is very much about having opportunities to take initiative failing succeeding and then ultimately having victory Right. And not by not by his own wiles. He he constantly gives credit to the Lord, which is very fitting. Right. Yeah, and like you said, we interviewed Jordan way early in this project, even mm-hmm. before we wrote season one, the season one podcast. Yeah, yeah. So he goes way back. Yeah. yeah Jordan- I think yeah, and I think that that's definitely of of our Instagram posts. I think that one is one of the best. It's it's definitely got one of the best graphics. Oh, for sure. Jordan looking very, very awesome in his Marine uniform. And I remember, too, like, in looking back, when I was working on the episode and looking back over the interview, he mentioned that that was one of the things that drew him to to the Marine Corps was how cool the outfits looked. Of course. Which, of course, they do. I mean, how could you look at that and not (laughs) want to wear that at one point in your life? But, um, yeah, so then we interviewed him again when we decided that we wanted to do a podcast episode. And, um, and I, as I wrote the episode, I was reading his book. So it was kind of a joint effort of reading the book, writing the episode, reading, writing, reading, writing, just kind of going back and forth. And I would recommend anybody listening to this to read his story because it's incredibly inspiring. It's such a powerful testament to what the Lord can do in somebody's life. And what's the book? It's called The War Inside. And that he just chronicles his entire journey from young childhood to his struggle with alcohol and how that consumed 14 years of his life and how the Lord ultimately delivered him from that. And it was very moving at times just reading how he just, he finally just got to that point that so many people get to of just like either I'm either I'm going to die or I'm going to give this up and keep on living, but it's either one or the other, you know? And so just seeing him make that choice was extremely inspiring. Just reading, reading it kind of motivated me to look at my own life again. So it was, it was quite, quite a tale. Right. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about Jordan and his story. He, he obviously his, his addiction was alcohol, but his main point about having initiative is, we all have something that we struggle with, some addiction or or something that's keeping us from living out our destiny. I mean, that's that's one of the themes of Virtuous Man, this living out our destiny and overcoming those hurdles. So uh, 
he was a, a perfect person to have in here someone who's overcome something as as struggling as, as alcoholism but also to then like he's a he speaks to men he, he speaks to young men about their lives and how to develop that initiative to overcome and and become the man they were born to be exactly yeah totally well and it's so great too like what you were saying that it isn't it, it could be alcohol it could be sex it could be drugs it could be work it could be anything like his story is universal yeah. you can apply it to any anything in your life that's holding you back so that's what is so motivating about it all right episode four richard wormbrand for the virtue of boldness yes so this one was interesting from my perspective because i had never heard of him before hmm. And um, so maybe explain how you came to know about him and and what inspired you to do boldness as his particular virtue. Because boldness is definitely one of those ones where you could pick so many candidates for. There's so many candidates for that particular virtue. So maybe highlight what drew you to that. Yeah, so my introduction to Wormbrand was actually via a documentary on Amazon Prime. It was a few years ago. I was, you know, flipping through and I saw this Tortured for Christ documentary on Amazon Prime. It's really good. It goes through uh, Richard's story and it's kind of a dramatic interpretation of it. But just told the story of this guy who was just relentlessly tortured for 14 years in a communist prison because he was a Christian and because he refused to be silent and not share his faith with uh, his fellow Romanians. And so I, when we started doing this project, I thought, well, we really got to do Wormbrand and then season two came up and, and I wanted to do him for season two and ended up getting in touch with a lady called Catherine McKenzie and she wrote a book a number of years ago about Wormbrand and she works for a publishing company called Christian Focus. Uh, they're out of Scotland and basically as, as she told me the story goes her parents when when bringing her and her siblings up they couldn't find any good Christian material for their kids so they decided to make some of their own and that's how the the publishing house got started and they're a huge publishing house now and they've got you know hundreds of books and Catherine became an author and an editor uh, for this this publishing house so she wrote a book called uh, Richard Wormbrand A Voice in the Dark and so I interviewed her as another one of those interviews where I I got up at one o'clock in the morning because she's in Scotland and eight hours ahead of me. Oh, so flashbacks back to Martin Kemp. Exactly. Except I wasn't there to share that with you. Uh, so you, you sad. decided you decided not yeah, to. Yeah, uh, I had something going on in the sleep department at that time. <laughs> yeah. So interviewed her very early in the morning, uh, my time, but it was a really good interview. I got great information from her. She actually, when she was writing the book, she was in contact with a, a Norwegian guy who had been involved in, his his organization had been involved in the amnesty of Richard Wormbrand when he escaped Romania and came to Norway. They kind of got him out of, out of Romania because he was more than likely going to be imprisoned again and, and probably killed. So they, she got a, a ton of literature and information and about his story, and she used that to write write the book about him. Very cool. I know it's an interesting story about the writing of that. Yeah. Well, and I just could tell in re when we were editing the episode, like I could just by reading it. I mean, because I didn't know anything about him or what he had gone through, so I could just tell by reading it 
this is going to be an impactful episode. Yeah, and it's it's a little hard to listen to at times, to be honest. <laughs> I, I like to have my daughter, as you know, listen to our episodes. She really enjoys listening to them, but this one... <laughs> Uh, I'm probably not going to let her listen to it because it is pretty... There's a few tough moments in there, especially talking about the torture that he went through and uh, just the, the difficult difficulties he had in the communist prisons. But it's really inspiring to go through all he went through and still have the perspective that he had coming out of it, that he, he didn't hate these people who did all these horrendous things to him. He still had love and compassion for them. And wanted to see them saved. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, and that sort of reminds me too of Tecumseh's that he never was a hater. Like he didn't come to hate the white man or yeah. anything like that. Like they just they had this goal and they went about doing it. So that was also very inspiring too. And in reading his story that he never gave himself over to hatred. So final episode of season two, mm-hmm. episode five was your your baby. Right. Oh, this this one was definitely the man definitely of the my, Titanic, my child. Yes, for the virtue of chivalry. So oh, just yeah. talk about it. I'll just give you the floor. This one is probably the my favorite episode that I've done so far, and just just because the subject matter is so incredibly fascinating. Like uh, the the Titanic is one of the most interesting historical events ever, in my opinion. Like I don't know how you could start looking into it and not be completely engrossed by everything that happened and everything leading up to it and so yeah i definitely went all out on in terms of research i definitely went all out on this one like i watched documentary after documentary i read books and um interviewed a a titanic historian from a museum that i had the great pleasure of visiting it's the uh the titanic museum at Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and I went and visited there when I was visiting you, and I just took a little side trip and visited visited that museum. And it's really interesting, too, because Pigeon Forge is very touristy. So to see... Yes, it is. Yeah, as you can attest. So it's... You would never expect to see a museum like that in a place like Pigeon Forge. So it was a thrill going through that museum, and one part of that trip that really... Or that visit to that to the museum that really stands out to me is... I had no idea that this particular artifact was going to be there. It was the violin of the band leader who played music with his band as Titanic went down, which is one of the most famous stories about the Titanic. So to actually go, and there's an entire room dedicated to the musicians themselves. So to go into that room and to see that artifact there, knowing who it belonged to, what it is, and where it came from, and not even knowing it was in the museum at the time was a thrill beyond words. Just seeing that artifact there and imagining Wallace Hartley and his band playing near My God to Thee and thinking that he was playing that song on the violin that I'm looking at that's over 100 years old. I mean, it just puts you right there, right there on the boat. It was pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah, I had the opportunity to go to the museum shortly after you did. And I raved about it. You did. You you raved about it so much that I had to make the. And you're like, shut what? up! I'm going. Okay. Make, make the what four four five hundred mile drive to get there. And uh, was it worth it? It was so worth it. It was worth it. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the two displays that I had. You're kind of you're kind of going. You're kind of snaking through what would have been you know the cabins of the yeah. third class. And yeah, then it's get, laid out like the class structure. Yeah, yeah, and you get to the stairwell and the water's coming down the stairwell. And you can just like get a small picture of what that fear and terror must have been for those people 
because they were stuck down there. Yeah. There re- really was no way out. Yeah. And then the other one was when you're in the control room up top and you can see the stars, you're looking out the window and then you kind of walk out on the deck and they have a, basically you just have a, a, a water reservoir yeah. and yeah. it's at the same temperature that the water was on the night that the Titanic went down. You can you know, kind of dip yeah. your hand in there and it is so bone chilling cold. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I stuck my hand in there just to see how long I could keep it in there. And, <laughs> Likewise. And you're just... Yeah. It's After just, 30 just seconds, completely you can't numb. do it. It's completely numb. Yeah. So it really, it's a great museum. And yeah, yeah. if any listeners are in the area of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, go check it out because it is definitely worth your time. And it was great too because the person that I interviewed, Jim Myers, he was um, he was one of the historians who worked for the museum because it's also it also has a sister location in Branson, Missouri. So he often would go in between locations and has known the owners for a long time. And when I was, when I reached out to just the museum to try to see if there was anyone there that would be interested in being interviewed, he replied and he was extremely enthusiastic. He, I, I think he phrased it exactly. I have the great pleasure of talking to people about the Titanic, <laughs> which is a great thing to hear. I mean, you don't, to me, that's just great enthusiasm right there. So when you, and, and he was very enthusiastic in the interview. I was, just so impressed by his willingness to just talk. Like he was one of those people that you could imagine him just being able to talk about this particular subject for hours and not getting bored, <laughs> which is really what it was like to research the Titanic is I just, I was completely engrossed from beginning to end, just learning so much about it and, and just how brave those men were. Cause I mean, just the more you research, the more you research it, you are fully aware of how horribly tragic it was, but also how incredible it was that these men displayed such chivalry and it still stands as a testament today yeah and, and as far as chivalry goes kind of talk about why the titanic is known for it specifically well i think just because the men a lot of the men were became aware far too late unfortunately that the ship was going down when the ship was sinking it, it wasn't like you see it in movies or you'd imagine it where the iceberg impact was this huge explosive thing where, I mean, a lot of people didn't even feel the impact at all. So when there were rumors going around that they struck an iceberg and that they were sinking, a lot of people just joked about it and they didn't treat it seriously. So when it got to the point where the ship was sinking, by then it was too late and the men had a choice to make. Are we just going to save ourselves? Are we going to just go down with the ship like gentlemen? Or are we going to do whatever we can to save as many people as possible? And all of the men did one of those things. And there were, there were plenty of cowards that night, but there were plenty brave people as well. And, I mean, there's so many stories. I mean, you could spend your entire life looking into stories of men who displayed chivalry. Even in the smallest of acts, whether it was giving giving up a lifeboat seat or giving up a life jacket or just or leading people out there or even when they're in the water. Like one particular story that struck me was the priests who were on the ship and how a few of them were giving people last rites and hearing confessions while they're freezing to death in the water. I mean, what kind of people do that? I mean, can you imagine anybody doing that today? And the fact that it even wasn't that long ago. So, I mean, it we're far enough removed from it that it's old history, but it really wasn't that long ago when you think about it. So it just, it has that sense of immediacy when you're looking into it. Yeah. One of my favorite parts from the episode is the, the story that Jim Myers tells about the man who was swimming in the freezing water and he swims up to a lifeboat and asks them, do you have room for me? And they say, no, we don't. And instead of, you know, 
what would be the, any human reaction to that, you know, cursing them and what is wrong with you people. He just says, all right, God bless you. That, yeah, that's, yeah. that thought was an incredible little piece of the, yeah. the whole story to find out. And, and there's so much of that. So um, in, in the Titanic, when you start researching it, there's so many of those little stories of, of courage and chivalry and hope and all of it. I mean, I think, and that's the reason why the Titanic continues to fascinate people to this day is, is that he, that human element that there's something there that we can all relate to in some sense. It was also cool too, because my, my dad is featured at the end of uh, Titanic or I guess not the end, but he's featured a little bit in Titanic That's as right. one of the survivors. That's right. Yeah. Your dad had quite the cameo appearance in season two. That's right. He did. I know. I definitely, I joke with him like, you know, your narration was, that was, I mean, I just keep going back to that. That was just the greatest thing. And yeah, he, just just listen listen to it he looks at me like he knows that his leg is being pulled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've finished talking about just the making of the episodes, we're going to do something that we really wanted to do last Loose and Unscripted, but just didn't have a chance to, is we're going to interview each other about our own project. Pretty scary stuff. Excellent. Yeah. This isn't going to be like a job interview because, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to do it that way. So. Well, I didn't tell you, but if you do a bad job, you know. You know, it's it's going to be ex. it's going to be virtuous man from that <laughs> point on. One, two men enter, one man leaves, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so my first question to you, of your posts that you have written, what is your favorite? I picked two. Uh, definitely Teddy Roosevelt for the virtue of vitality, because he's just this larger-than-life figure in history and such a man's man. And then learning mm -hmm. where he came from in life, you know, as a small boy, he was this frail, you know, sick all the time. And then to become the man's man that he became. And that was all due to his diligence of taking care of himself, taking care of his body, eating right, exercising, and then also becoming an incredible public speaker. That all didn't just come to him. It wasn't just a gift. It was something he worked at. So he's one of my absolute favorites. And then also G.K. Chesterton for the virtue of wit. That's I know that's one of your favorite posts as well. That's such a funny post, and it epitomizes Chesterton because if you've ever read his stuff, it's it's so witty. It's so it's it's both intellectually sound, but also so funny. And he has such a interesting, unique way of putting things that gets the point across. But also, it's so funny. How could you get offended? You know? Yeah, well, Chesterton is one of those people where you look, and, and just looking at pictures of him, it's like he's this strange combination of incredibly knowledgeable theologian and a drinking buddy, you know? <laughs> yeah. He just has that quality, like, he looks like the sort of guy that yeah. you could easily kill an evening smoking and cigars Absolutely. with, and, but also he just, reading his work, it's like, wow, this guy was one heck of a thinker. Yeah. So what about you, your favorite post that you've done? That I've done. Or posts. <laughs> Grab some beer. <laughs> you can keep this in there, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this was a tough one because I, I'm just, I love my work so much. I'm so awesome. I'm just, I'm <laughs> totally not vain about this at all. But uh, up next, uh, Scott for the virtue of humility. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to having my picture online. Well, I kind of am, but. <laughs> so I think for me it was a three-way tie. Um, 
between Wilson Bentley, uh, Vincent and Theo Van Gogh, and Hannibal of Carthage mm. for different reasons. I think the Van Gogh one in particular, like I just, he was, I mean, I read his Van Gogh's biography a while back and, um, and it's not really emphasized enough how important his brother was in his life. I feel like unless unless you're an art historian and you know that, but his brother does not get enough credit. And if you look at his work and you look more at, at their relationship, like a lot of the paintings that so many people know would not exist without his brother and his his financial support, his emotional support. And then his wife taking over the reins after Theo died and really marketing Vincent Van Gogh's work. So she deserves a lot of credit as well. And and just that their relationship was very moving the more you look at it, the fact that they communicated so often and the fact that they had 900 letters between them that we know of. Wow. And, I mean, it's just remarkable the more you look at it, at their relationship, that not only that Theo put up with him because Vincent could be an extremely difficult person, but in spite of all the turmoil between them, they just couldn't let each other go. And I just found that to be very moving. And I felt like I conveyed that well in the writing and Wilson Bentley was interesting. I, he is one of those people that I found out about very only recently. And there isn't as much information about him as other people. Like he, There's a few sources here and there, but a lot of his life is pretty pretty st- standard and pretty straightforward. And he, he led a mostly fairly uneventful life compared to a lot of other figures. But he had this one passion of photographing snowflakes. Hmm. Just this really random, out-of-nowhere passion of his. But it became his life's work. And when I learned about him, I just thought this guy is definitely the virtue of passion. So it was, so I'm proud of that particular post just because he's not somebody a lot of people know about. And just the fact that it was such a unique interest of his and that we've all benefited from it because he was the first guy to really expose how beautiful winter could be. Like who would have thought like devoting your entire life to photographing snowflakes? Like (laughs) that just seems like a waste of time to most people. But with him, it was just his passion in life. And in in terms of the amount of information I put into a single post, I think Hannibal is definitely a favorite of mine. I feel like it isn't so much that it is any more well-written than the other ones, but just the fact that I was able to put as much information into that as I did to give as complete a picture as possible in the amount of characters that Instagram allows. I'm pretty proud of how that turned out. 2,200. Right. <laughs> and as a writer, as a writer and just a creative person, it's often good to limit yourself. So the fact that you only have 2,200 characters on Instagram to write these things, it sort of forces you to make decisions in a different way. And that's often a good thing for the creative process is to limit yourself. Yeah, I'm, but... pretty, I'm pretty proud of the amount of information I was able to put in there about him. Yeah, less is often more. Exactly. Preach it, Reverend. All right. So next question. What is your favorite of the other person's posts? As in, not your own. I feel like I'm just continuing to swell your ego here. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is about as unvirtuous as it gets. I would definitely say, uh, I have two again. Uh, The Apostle Paul, I really enjoyed that one for the virtue of love. uh, Because, obviously, Reading the New Testament, it's a large part Paul's writing, and yeah, uh, yeah. specifically First Corinthians thirteen. It's the love chapter of of uh, the New Testament, and the level of detail that he puts into that is incredible. I mean, there's there's nothing else like it in my opinion that speaks to what love actually is. 
So I, I love that post. I love the detail you put in there. It was, I believe we did that for Valentine's Day, didn't we? We did. Yeah. yeah. So I, it was, it was a good one to do for Valentine's Day because I think Valentine's Day is often about, they say it's about love, but really it's about lust. And really it was nice to put a post in there that defines what love really is. And the other one that I would say is Faramir for the virtue of self-denial. Would not have guessed that. I enjoyed that one. Obviously, we're both big Lord of the Rings fans. We are both citizens of Middle Earth in in another life. Yeah. And Faramir is actually one of my favorite characters. I feel like he's one of the unspoken, underestimated heroes Mm -hmm. of the whole trilogy. And I like the the, the post you put together and the, the final quote you you have in there sam's talking to faramir and he says you've shown your qualities sir the very finest Mm -hmm. that was a great way to end that in that post so that'll be my second thank you yes sir so so now it's my turn to to get my ego swelled a little Mm. bit so what 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 are your favorites from what i've written yeah i don't like anything you wrote really (laughs) it's just it all needs to be rewritten. No, I'm kidding. Wow. (laughs) everyone sees how sees the the torture i go through here yeah the pain, the, vir- the virtue of perseverance. Mm-hmm. So it's a, th- a th- another three-way tie here. Um, I think for posts that you've written, the three favorites of mine, and these are the ones that I've just gone back to the most in rereading our work, is Chesterton, Martin Luther King Jr., and Eisenhower. Mm. And Maybe. I think the unifying thing that you get really well in those posts, or that you do really well, is um, you get the point across really well. Like, so, like, for Chesterton, it was the virtue of wit, and Martin Luther King Jr. is oration, and Eisenhower is self-control. Mm-hmm. And for those particular posts, I think you really did a good job of highlighting why these guys personify those virtues. I mean, of the three of those, I think Martin Luther King was particularly moving. Just There's just something about reading his words, yeah. and, re- and the quotes that you chose were perfect, I felt like. It just was a perfect example of why he was such a profound speaker. And of course, Chesterton. I feel like we just—I feel like we've been going back to Chesterton a lot in this episode. But yeah, that was maybe it's a—it's a sign that we need to do Chesterton yeah. for season three. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm thinking we might have to do that. But uh, dibs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Yeah. But yeah, you. I felt like for all of those, you just did, and especially with uh, Eisenhower, I never knew that self-control was something that he had a real issue with. So oh, yeah. it's another one of the great things about this project is that we basically teach each other about people that neither the other person knows about yeah. or doesn't know a lot about. So, like, obviously everybody knows Eisenhower, you know, general and president, but the fact that he struggled with this particular thing, like, I never knew that. I don't even know if the average Joe knows that. So it was great It was great to learn about that, and I think you did a good job of highlighting that particular virtue. So, next question here. Which man would you pick for a virtue we've already done? So for this one, I... I think my mind's still on Wormbrand because I just finished recording and writing and recording that episode. And for boldness or uh, perseverance, I would pick Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. He is a guy who, a lot like Wormbrand, Wormbrand was, although he was involved with the Nazis as well, it was mostly with with the Soviets. Uh, Bonhoeffer was obviously with involved with the Nazis and. And he did a lot of work to fight what the Nazis were doing to Jews, what they were doing against the church in Germany. 
forcing the church to you know toe the party line and and to support the nazi party and he fought tooth and nail all the way to his death to uh, prevent nazi germany from doing what they were trying to do so he would be an excellent person for either perseverance or boldness and yeah, i think yeah. we're, we're definitely going to have to do a post on bonhoeffer here very soon be looking people so what about you? What uh, what what man would you pick for a virtue we've already done? I know this was a tough one to think about because I feel like for the ones that we've already done, you could swap a lot of them. Like this particular guy would also be great for this particular virtue, and so on and so forth. So I think um, I think Davy Crockett would be amazing for going down swinging <laughs> that virtue. Yeah. I feel like the like and Davy Crockett's one of those people where if you look at his life and how he died and where he died and just the circumstances of, you know, fighting at the Alamo, I feel like men of today only dream of going down like that. You know, it, it's hard to believe that it even happened, but I mean, in the early days of this project, we did Davy Crockett. He was one of our earliest ones and we did him for the virtue of courage, courage. which he definitely had in spades, but going down swinging would be a great one for him. Cause he was in a situation that he probably could have gotten out of if he wanted to, but he chose to stay behind and fight, even though he knew he would probably die. And that's definitely something we could learn from today. I also thought when we were doing love, the virtue of love, I really wanted to do the beast from the Beauty and the Beast story. because <laughs> You're it, such a romantic, Scott. I, well, tell me about it. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> But I just think, just if you look at the arc of that story and the fact that love is the thing that ultimately changes him, I think he would have been a good one to do for that particular virtue. But I, I think the Apostle Paul was a great candidate for that too, but I still think he would have been fantastic to do for love. And uh, an another one that I think would also be great would be, if we, we had to do it over again, would be Booker T. Washington for Humility. Because that was, that was definitely something that, if you look at Bur Booker T. Washington's life, that was definitely something that he had that he yeah. was that humility was one of the defining virtues of his life and it's impossible not to be inspired when you look at look at the way that he exercised that virtue throughout his life so he would he would have been a great one to do for that so here's a nice and easy question which man would you most want to meet and what would you ask him <laughs> Nice, easy question for you. Yeah, I'll stay on theme of season two for this one. I would love to be able to meet John Muir. He's, as I said in talking about uh, episode two, he's a guy who I've seen his name everywhere in the Northwest when you're hiking. I've now researched him quite a bit. And he's such an interesting guy, and he's he's kind of hard to pin down in a lot of ways. But one thing I would ask him... And this is maybe a little selfish, but I'd ask him if he could take me on a tour of Yosemite. Oh, not selfish at all. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, have asked the same thing. The, the I would guy, have demanded it. The guy who, who played such a role in getting Yosemite into national park status, what a guy to, to take you around such a beautiful place. So. Oh, yeah. Have you been to Yosemite? I haven't yet. So I, I, I No. I know, I know. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Okay, this is news here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mr. I, Outdoorsman been, has never been to one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been to many a place, but I've never been to Yosemite. Oh, my. Wow. My yeah, heart. Sorry, your, sorry, people. This your, is news. Th your thoughts of me just... My, my stock wow. just took a dip here. Yeah. Oh, no worries. You'll, you'll redeem yourself. <laughs> we'll do you for the redemption series. <laughs> 
So yeah, that that would be that would be my person I'd, I'd like to meet. Very good choice. What about you? This is obviously a tough one because you look at you look at these men and you want to meet every single one of them in some way, whether they're fictional or not. But um, Leonardo da Vinci would definitely be one for me. Not even so much to ask him anything in particular, but just to watch him at work and to watch him do what he did. The artist in me would love to just sit there and watch him paint and just see his process because it was so unlike anything else that people were doing at the time or just or even just making a sketch outside, you know, like I would have loved to have watched him just kind of do mundane activities, you know, but I'm sure he would have been a great conversationalist as well. But just to actually watch him do what he did, I think would have just been incredibly fascinating. And you would probably agree with me on this one in a heartbeat is I would love to have met Ernest Shackleton. Yes, I definitely would. Yeah, just because he's both a hero of ours. He, he's one of the few that we both have the strongest feelings about. Like he is, you know, we're, we're both gigantic fans of, of Sir Ernest. And I would have loved to have met him and just asked him about that particular expedition and... I guess what I would have loved to have known is what were you feeling during these particular moments? Like, what were you feeling when you realized that this was a catastrophe? What were you feeling like when you were in a tiny little boat on 800 miles of open ocean? Like, what were you feeling like when you realized you had to cross South Georgia and you couldn't boat around to the whaling station, that you had to walk that entire 36-hour journey? Like, what was going through your mind? He's pretty much synonymous with great leadership. So I guess just asking him about what was going through your mind, like what like what drove you to act in the way that you did, because I, I want some of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I and you probably would feel the same way. Yeah. Any kind of leadership question, I, I'd want to ask him, you know, whether it be in the same situation he's in or, or any any kind of leadership. Just what would you do? Oh, absolutely. How absolutely. would you handle this person? You know. He was just such a man manager. He, he kind of knew different uh, personalities how to how to approach that. So he was an expert at that. Oh yeah, definitely. I I feel like we always go back to Shackleton in some form in this project, yeah, he, but he got to. for obvious reasons, yeah. I and just in terms of like someone I'd love to hang out with, Chesterton. Got to go back to him. I think yeah, he would. We've, we've got to do him for season. He would have been spectacular to hang out with in every possible way. I gotta say. Yeah, have, and, having a beer with Jefferson, that would be and, an event. Oh, for sure, yeah. And one more, I have to say, another shout-out here. I would have loved to have met Desmond Doss. Mm. He was the devout Seventh-day Adventist who uh, chose not to carry a firearm as a conscientious objector during World War II. And he was a field medic during the Battle of Okinawa. And I just would love to have met him and just, just to hear his side of that what was it like to hold true to your beliefs when so many people were looking at you in judgment and what was it like to go through that experience of trying to maintain your beliefs and what was it like to actually realize i'm in combat and i don't have any way to defend myself like what was going through your head when you realized that you had made this decision a while back to not carry a firearm like did you did you find yourself wanting a firearm in that experience or did you still feel the same way that you didn't want to do that? You would do whatever it took to not take a life. Like I would have just loved to have gotten his perspective on that. Were there any other men that you would have liked to have met? I, I would have liked to meet. Uh, we did a post recently on Ronald Reagan. I would have loved to meet him because he was such an in, influential figure in kind of the end of the Cold War era. 
but also he was a jokester and is another guy who you just love to sit down and have a conversation with because I think you would learn a lot, but you also laugh a lot. And those are my favorite people. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Chesterton, right there. Another good example. <laughs> laugh a lot, learn a lot. Season three, here it yeah. comes. <laughs> Well, that is the end of Season 2, Loose and Unscripted. I hope you've enjoyed it. Keep an eye out for a bonus episode of Season 2 coming up uh, next week. And join us for Season 3 this fall for another full lineup of Virtuous Man. Cheers. Cheers. Action! <laughs> 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 How the heck am I going to say this now? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>